Dong there, thank you for that. Let's turn our Bibles again, please, to Luke chapter 1. Good to see you once again this morning, and hope that, um, that you've had a good week. Luke chapter 1, and we're going to be reading uh, once again there in, in verses 8 to 14, but um, further down in the text as well, verses 34 down to verse 44, and turn to different places this morning. But I hope that you've had a, a good start to your December and looking forward to just uh, slowing down a little bit, I think, over the course of the rest of the year. Um, but, you know, I think, I think this season sometimes can turn into a little bit of a, a busy season, can't it? And, you know, or you could plan all year and maybe you're like us, you've planned on, uh, you know, your, your budget for the month and you're looking at the kind of gifts that you want to give to your children and to your, your family and all of that. And what, what Christmas can sometimes turn into is, uh, is really expectation management. And, you know, maybe uh, if your kids are like mine, they hint right through the course of the year what they would like for Christmas. And, you know, as the presents slowly start to populate under the, the tree, perhaps in your household like ours, they start to look at if that's their name on that gift and they start to measure out sort of what might be in that, in that wrapped present. And what you do is you know what they want, but you, don't, you know as well as I do, you can't always give them what they want. And so it's a bit of expectation management. You start to plant other seeds in their mind, what good things, what other things they can expect. Because at the end of the day, you don't want them to feel disappointed. And it's a bit that way, um, you know, sometimes in life, there's, there's certain things we want to, we expect. There's certain things that we're looking forward to, and maybe you've booked a holiday over the summer, and there's a great expectation, and you work through the course of the year, just hoping to get to that time where you can take a break and get away, and, and maybe eat a lot of burgers, and maybe, uh, you know, speed a little bit, and, you know, take photos while you're driving, um, all of those kind of things, and you're just working your way to that. And yet, you know as well as I do that sometimes, sometimes expectations are really, they're difficult to come to terms with at times when they come to be. And maybe even in the how it would work and how it would work out. And I think this is what we find here in the life of Zacharias who really as he and his wife Elizabeth have gotten into their older ages, they were still hoping for something, they were still wanting something. And we can see that in the reading here that the, the angel's response to Zacharias in verse 13 is this, for thy prayer is heard. They were, they were expecting something. They wanted something so, uh, so, um, uh, that, that was so missing in their lives. And what that was, they wanted a child. And for years and years, you can imagine Zacharias and Elizabeth, they had been praying, they had been uh, desiring, they had been hoping, and this was a thing that was going to fulfill their joy. It was a child. And no doubt at some point, maybe, well, I'm not sure if it was Elizabeth or Zacharias, maybe one of them had waned in their desire, maybe had waned and maybe even adjusted their expectation. They did, they did their own expectation management in their own lives and said, oh, well, maybe we can adopt. Well, maybe we can do something else. And they were looking at other ways, perhaps, of which this could come true in their lives. And yet what we find is this announcement that was not, not expected at all. This announcement came via an angel, 
And in their old age, Elizabeth was going to give birth to John. And the angel announces that. And, and we know in the Christmas story, really, when you think about it, there's really announcement of, of two miracle births. And then later on, is, if you skip down to verse 34 now, after a little bit of, uh, of we, we won't take the time this morning to read about it, but an angel comes to Mary, who's a virgin, and announces to her that she was going to give birth to the Savior of the world. And we know who that is, of course. That's the Lord Jesus. Then said Mary unto the angel, and notice her question, how shall this, th- th- this be, seeing I know not a man? And we know what, how biology works. We know how, how uh, the, that process works. It, it, there needed to be that, that, that union between uh, man and woman to produce seed. That's how it's always been done. But here what we find is a virgin was going to give birth. She was going uh, to anticipate and expect this bundle of joy, but not through the means that she would have imagined in her own mind. And so she asked the question, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called, of, uh, called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth She hath also conceived the son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And then notice verse 37, for with God nothing shall be impossible. And you know, sometimes we quote that and we see different people, different even athletes quote that on their uh, their boots and different things like that. But the context of that is really the Christmas human point of view, the thing that is impossible, God can do. And he's saying here that the, uh, the announcement given is with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And so she gets this announcement. She's been given the news that she, Mary, a virgin, she's now going to give birth to the Son of God. And it's a, it's a, a work wrought by the Holy Ghost in her life. This impossible thing was going to happen. And now she's also been given the news that her Sister-in-law, uh, her, her cousin uh, Elizabeth, was, was six months pregnant now in her old age. What the others there in, in, uh, human, uh, in human terms, she was known to be really barren because at this stage of her life, it was, it was no longer really possible for them to fall pregnant as well. And yet this announcement was made to, made to Mary as well that, that her cousin Elizabeth, was also going to conceive, and in fact, she's six months ahead. And so Mary then, in verse 39, she arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah. And he entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass then that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, notice this, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And an amazing story here is they they both get miracle announcements and miracles within themselves. And the result of that was joy. 
you know, many times in our expectations when we try to manage that, what we want to end up with is joy. You know, when, when kids, they, they're expecting and anticipating that gift and finally opening it, what they want to end up with is what they want to get. They want to, they want to be joyful about what they get. And, you know, life's like that. You know, there's things that we plan out. There's things that we put in place because we have certain expectations that we're working towards. And we want the result to be joy. And yet what happens sometimes in life, and you, you know this if you've lived a little while, you understand that sometimes those expectations don't turn into joy. Because so many times what our joy, uh, what our expectations are founded on are, are things that aren't, they're not 100%. Because there's things that we can't anticipate. There's things that we can't really look to and, and, and guarantee. And yet there is one thing that we can bank on. And if we found, uh, if we, we found our, our hopes and we found our anticipation in it, then I'm going to tell you, you're always going to end up with joy. And that's, that's in the person of Jesus Christ. Because at the end of the day, even though these expectations were going on in the lives of these people who were so key in the Christmas story, the, the very one that gave them the, the thing that they needed most was the Lord Jesus himself. He was able to produce in their lives, and even in this short encounter with the baby that was in Elizabeth's womb, this short encounter produced joy. And you know what you're going to find? There's going to be a bit of a, a, bit of a time now we're anticipating the end of the year, and you're going to maybe look back at 2022 and look at all of the different things that we were, you were hoping for, you know, you, the things that you were hoping would work out. And what you're going to find, it's going to be vastly different perhaps to what you had anticipated. What you're going to find is you're going to look at uh, the things that you were uh, at the beginning of the year anticipating would produce something in your lives and it hasn't come about. And, and you know why sometimes that happens is, is we, we, we have expectations that are unfounded. We have expectations and we produce expectations that aren't founded on guarantees they're founded on our own imaginations. And, and what happens is sometimes our anticipation of something that comes ahead that will bring joy doesn't come about. And yet we have a season, I think, that ought to teach us the most about that. The season, this season ought to bring the most hope and joy because really Christmas should all, always, always be about Christ. It should be an anticipation of what He's going to do in our lives because that's what Christmas truly is about. Christmas is about Jesus. Christmas is about God's Redeemer. God Himself came in a robe of flesh. He came to save a needy mankind from an eternity of darkness and sorrow. And the joy of Christmas firstly comes really in the anticipation of, what, of, the, of the person of Christ. And what that is, it's, it's, it's real hope. And we see in this story the one who was a great announcer and forerunner of Christ really the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist. Later on, uh, we see in verse 13, again, you're going to call his name John. There was a bit of a, a struggle with that because tradition meant that, he was, that this baby was meant to be named after a, a family member. But that was what God had wanted. In verse 17, notice the description of, of this one that was, was going to be uh, produced out of uh, Elizabeth. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children 
and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. His specific calling was to be the forerunner of Christ. And John was, was to be born to Elizabeth, who was cousin to this young lady uh, who was recently betrothed, Mary. And his whole role, his whole reason for his birth was to be a forerunner to the Lord Jesus. And so we see that miracle announced. Then Mary goes and visits Elizabeth. Again, having been told of, her, of, that, of uh, that miracle in her life, and then the baby John leaps with joy. And I think as we read that, we're going to see there's a great transaction here that speaks much about what our anticipation should be, uh, that joy that we have, that hope that we ought to have in, in what God is going to do in our lives. And all of this, again, it was all new for Elizabeth and Mary. There were still some unknowns to come. And and we're going to see that in, as we look at this thought really in the next couple of weeks. But what God was giving them in anticipation of Christmas, the birth of Christ, he was trying to give them hope. And, and what we need today and what we need in, in really as we go through the ups and downs of our expectations and the, whether it's the fulfillment of them or not, is that we have a real hope. We have a founded hope. And, and we're going to look at the kind of hope that we uh, ought to look to today and we mustn't forget that as believers, we have a very, very real hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. That whatever circumstances, whatever expectations, when, whatever ups and downs we go through in life, that actually our hope ought to be founded in the person of Christ. And we're going to look at the joy we fi- find in Jesus, really as we anticipate joy, hope. And so let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless and then we'll get into the message this morning. Father, we come before you, Lord, and... I'm thankful again that, Lord, as we even observe our own lives and sometimes expectations and, and, and anticipations that come that can, can whether they, they come true or not, Lord, can really be, be made sense of and really be, Lord, made clear when, when we found our hope, find our hope in you. And I pray that you'd help us as we get into your word this morning and Recognize, dear God, that at times this can be a very familiar story. But Father, I, bre- I believe that there's things that you would have us to learn, Lord, afresh today. That will just help us, as Lord, as we get into the, the rest of the, the month and into the new year even. And I would ask that you'd please just help us this morning to listen in carefully. I pray for your enabling. I pray, dear God, you give me clarity of mind as I, I open your word this morning. And clarity, Lord, to communicate the things that you've laid in my heart. And I pray that you'd help us as a church, dear Lord, and Pray, Lord, that you would just, uh, Lord, again, bless your word to, to uh, Lord, to our hearts today in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. What we find, firstly, is, is really joy is formed in what God has announced, and then also an anticipation of its fulfillment. Again, you know, sometimes we have our, our, our expectations and our anticipation, we form it through other means, and you know, sometimes we form it out of our own desire. And, and you know, our, our desires come and go. They change. They're not guaranteed. And, and sometimes we do that. I remember when I was an older, uh, older kid in, in primary school. And, you know, I really got into, I really got into basketball. That was, that was really my passion when I was a, real, a young kid. And, and I've, I've now, I see that in my kids. And my two boys are really into that now. And um, but I remember every year, the one thing I would ask for from my dad was I wanted a basketball ring, right? So every year I'd ask him, and you know, 
if you do this, maybe, maybe help your kids a little bit. But my dad's answer, my, his staple answer every year was, next year, next year. Right, and so I would ask again. So for the three years in a row, I would ask, Dad, can I get a basketball ring? Can I get a basketball ring? And he said, next year, next year. And so he continued on. And after about the fourth year, when I went to ask him, I said, I already, I already knew what he was going to say. I said, Dad, I was in year seven at this time. Dad, can I get a basketball ring? And he said, son, next year, next year. All right, I get the, I get the hint. I'm never going to get this, all right? And... I remember I kept asking and asking, but you know, in my asking, I also, honestly, I, I just asked the Lord, would you just help my dad get me a basketball ring? Obviously, he needs help, all right? He can't do this. He keeps saying next year, and it's already been four years of next years, all right? But you know, sometimes we, we, we get a word from our, our parents that something's going to happen. It doesn't always happen. You know, as parents, we want to, we want to, make good with our word. And we want to make sure that when we say something that there's going to be an, uh, you know, that with that announcement, there's going to be an anticipation of its fulfillment. There's a, there's a trust there that we ought to build. And, and yet what we find here in, in this story is those things that were being anticipated, they were very difficult. Right? We, we see that in, in Zacharias and, and Elizabeth's situation, they had already gone past their years, and yet they held on to this. They kept praying. They had kept hoping and they kept anticipating that God would do something for them. No doubt in Mary's life and Joseph's life, they had great, a great anticipation of a family one day as they looked forward to their, this marriage. And yet what we find is, is God, didn't, uh, God had announced it and He did fulfill it. But here's the thing, sometimes God will fulfill it through different means. And the great joy that we see in Christmas is, is that what God announces, He fulfills, but it's not always in the way that we think He'll fulfill it. And the, the virgin birth of Christ is one of the greatest proofs that God fulfills what He declares. Because it wasn't just a random announcement. This was an announcement that, that was prophesied and given through, through many decades through Scripture. And the greatest, probably the greatest verse of the prophecy that we read about here, and again, sometimes we're, the, the awe of that and the miracle of that isn't as, uh, as, as um, it doesn't awestruck us anymore because we've read it over and over again. But you understand, for centuries and centuries, this was prophesied. This was something that God had announced over and over again. In Isaiah 7.14, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign... Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And we understand that that, that prophecy, as, in, as impossible as it sounded, it was an announcement that God made. And what we find here and what we read here in the life of, of Joseph and Mary is that this, this announcement was fulfilled. And if God can fulfill something so impossible as that promise there, don't you think those promises of God's provision and God's working in your life, don't you think that's so much easier than what God had done here? The impossibility of that. And we understand that God Himself, He declares those, the things that end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done. And He, he guarantees that His counsel will stand and He'll do all His pressure, uh, pleasure and 
we know that He's given us great and exceeding and precious promises as we find in Second Peter, that by, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is a world through lust. And so we see if God said it, we ought to believe it because He can fulfill it. And as we go through the time, and maybe you're looking at life, and maybe you're looking at the, some of the escalation of things in our world today, and you're fearful for the, the evil that it will bring, we ought to rest our, our hearts, and we ought to be comforted in the anticipation of all of God's promises being fulfilled in our lives. That he, he, he said it, we can believe it, and He can fulfill it. And here's the problem, though. Sometimes God's promises are fulfilled despite the unlikelihood of it. Now, sometimes we read some things in Scripture and we go, well, that's unlikely. Sometimes we look at the situations and circumstances of our lives and we, we, we start to think, well, it's unlikely God can do that in my life. And how likely, how unlikely are those who are past age, those who are virgins giving birth? And yet what we find is God did it anyway. Even though it was unlikely, and, and again, nothing shall be impossible in God. And, and what we see is in Christ, this was, uh, this was fulfilled. The question was asked in Genesis 18, 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? And again, that was, uh, that was in, in accordance again to another miracle birth. It says in later in that verse, and Sarah shall have a son. It was another promised child. And, and the, the problem is sometimes the reason why it's unlikely in the first place is because those expectations that we have are unfounded. You know, they're really, in our minds, unrealistic and there's no reality and sometimes they are pipe dreams. But if those things that we hope for and we anticipate are, are things that God had announced and God had promised and God had, had placed in His Word for us, then listen, we can, as unlikely as it is, we can bank on it this morning. You know, I was telling you about that story and, you know, sometimes even in our lives, the reason why we sometimes doubt and sometimes even lack in that anticipation of what God is going to do is because sometimes we can't figure out how God's going to do it. You know, no doubt, as, 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 uh, as John heard the news there from, uh, from the angel about Elizabeth giving birth, he, he's thinking in his head, how? How is that possible? How is that God, how's God going to do that? No doubt Mary, when she heard that, and she did ask the question there, how can this thing be? And sometimes when God gives us a promise and He gives us a, a, something in our lives for us to fulfill, for Him to fulfill in our lives, we start to think, how is He going to do that? But, you know, as unlikely and as how, uh, even if we can't figure it out, if God said it, we can believe it. And I was telling you the story earlier about uh, about my, my, my greatest wish, I just wanted a basketball ring. In, in the whole process of that, I told you I was praying, and, and, uh, and I found out later, sometimes, sometime later, that my dad and my parents would pray too, because they really couldn't afford to buy, buy me a basketball ring. So they would pray, they would pray for me, pray that God would help me with that. In the whole process of that, we moved from one suburb to the next to a, a high school that I had no friends. All of my friends went to a certain high school. And I went here and I, had, I knew no one. And honestly, I, I really didn't want 
to move there. I wanted to move where my friends were. I didn't want to move house. We had moved house, uh, you know, six times before we went to high, I went to high school. And I was sick of moving. But here we were again in the whole time of this, moving from primary school to high school. We were moving to a new suburb. I knew no one. I had no friends, and I really didn't want to do it. But, you know, who has a choice at year seven, right? You've got to go with your parents. And so there we went to, to a new suburb, or started high school. And all this time, all I was thinking was, I want to play basketball. I wish I had a basketball ring. And all this time, I had asked my, my parents again and again, and it became, you know how it is, you kids? The more you ask and the more they say no, the more unlikely it really is. <laughs> and it became unlikely. And so, you know, honestly, by end of year seven, I just stopped asking. Stopped asking. I just I said, okay, that's a no. But in my heart, I was like, oh, it would be really nice. I'd love to practice every day. And so just would on and off, really, pray, Lord, please give me a basketball ring. Lord, please give me a basketball ring. And at the same time, my parents, Lord, we can't afford this. Please give them a basketball ring. And then the middle of year eight, I had made the basketball team at my, my school. I began to just be part of the school community a little bit and began to get to know my principal, Glenn Sargent. And he was a compassionate man. Recently this year, just a couple of months ago, he passed away. But he had a great, he had a profound influence in my life. He was just so compassionate. And one day he called me into, my off, uh, into his office and he said, Hernan, I've noticed that you really like playing basketball. And I said, well, sir, I, I really do. I, I mean, I made the team. And um, he goes, oh, well, I heard that you were, you know, you really enjoy it and you're, you're the captain of your team, and, and I, I've seen how you, how you work, and I've seen you play on the court, and I've seen you around the, the school grounds, and I think this and that. And he started to, to say some things that were very touching to me. He had noticed some things. You know, my parents always tried to tell me, be a good testimony in your school. I was going to a public school. You know, it wasn't the best environment, that, but that's all we could afford. And so my parents would always challenge me about my, my testimony with my friends and my testimony at school and how, how to conduct myself, and they, they were engaged in that in my life. And so I did that. I, was, I tried to be, as best as I can, obedient to that. And, you know, what, what God does is sometimes without us noticing, others notice. And, and my principal, who, as far as I know, was not saved, as far as I know, just never had any kind, of, any kind of church affiliation. He noticed that I was different. And so, you know, I sat there and I'm going, hearing him say all these things, and I'm thinking, I'm missing out, it's lunchtime, I want to play basketball. <laughs> but he goes, well, Hernan, here's why I brought you in here. He goes, here's a key. I said, what's this for, sir? He goes... Here's the key to the, the, the basketball court here at our school. He goes, you can use it any time. <laughs> and, you know, all those years I had asked my dad for a basketball ring. All those years I was praying on and off and my parents on and off. I was thinking too small because God gave me a full court indoor basketball court instead. <laughs> And, you know, sometimes we don't know how God's going to fulfill it 
But if he's announced it, he's going to make it happen as unlikely and sometimes even if we can't figure it out. And you know, some things God's placed in your heart. There's some things that God's made known to you as a promise in your life. And, and there's some things that maybe God's going to do. And you know what happened with that? We had some of my best memories was on the basketball court. We, we started a Saturday night men and boys fellowship. And for years, the whole, my whole high school life, every Saturday night, we didn't even have to pay a cent really. We would play basketball court and all the men and boys. That was our sport for, as a church. And we saw so many guys get saved there. Some of our best friendships were, 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 were formed playing together on that basketball court. And all I was thinking about, all I was thinking about was a basketball ring, but God gave me a basketball court. And then it became more for others as well. And you know, sometimes in our lives we think small. But God has something more. And we're going to look back and we're going to go, how did God do that? Then only the story will explain that. You know, that's what happens. It happened in the life of Mary, particularly in, in, in Elizabeth. They, they would have anticipated and hoped for children. But what they didn't know was God was going to give them a miracle and God was going to do something that was going to be far-ranging and effectual. And what more effectual than the Savior of the world? And we ought to have hope in the promises of God. We ought to have hope in the God's word. We ought to hope in that. And we ought to uh, contemplate on the many promises that God has as we celebrate another Christmas and what joy we ought to have in anticipating the fulfillment of his promises. But you know, this story is also a story about fellowship. Because how joy is formed also is when we fellowship with those that possess joy in their hearts. This was really a story of fellowship, Mary and Elizabeth, but also, when we really read it, it was also a fellowship with John and Jesus. And again, if you want more proof that life starts in the womb, right there, right? There was fellowship there. There was that, there was that joy there. The babe leapt for joy. We have these two babes in the womb, both miraculously given, having joy having joy in the very mention of their, really, their future together. Because some 30 years later, John would announce Jesus as the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. There are people uh, in this story, and it was really about fellowship, and that fellowship formed some joy by the Holy Ghost in their lives. You know, there's, there's certain people that are joy givers. You get around them, and you get them talking, and there's just joy while there's others, sadly, who sap joy. And, and we ought to be the kind of people by the Holy Ghost who just have such a joy in Jesus that it ought to infect others as we get around each other. You know, again, I think it's important that we fellowship and we have that time as we spend time as families together around the table, the dinner table, and we get around and we ought to just think about and talk about all of God's promises and all that God has fulfilled in our lives this year. You know, um, I, I think about Paul, even as he thought about the church in Philippi, he says, always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy. He says in, in verse 25, later in that same chapter, having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of the faith. You know, Paul's driving 
initiative in his dealing with the churches is, is that he would, he would add this kind of value, or the value of joy in others' lives. And they went about in that fellowship. And, you know, uh, sometimes the, the, the only reason we have no joy in our lives is because we fellowship with people who have no joy in their lives. You know that saying, misery loves company. And we ought to be the kind of people as we anticipate joy in Jesus, as we think about the many promises that he has for us in his word, even as we contemplate the circumstances that we find ourselves in, that ought to be the driving force in our hearts and lives that becomes the thing that produces in the lives of others as well. We ought to get around people who just can refresh and Says later on in, in chapter 4, Philippians 4, 1, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. You know, he looked at those people in Philippi, and as much as his driving force was is that he would reinforce their joy, he called them his joy. And, and this was the church who would refresh him. And this was the church, when he got into their fellowship, just had the heart to, to just uh, to, to be a blessing to him, to be a help to him. And and they, they produce joy in turn in his life. That fellowship does that. And that's why it's so important as we come about this season that we don't neglect just being faithful in our fellowship with one another. But listen, I want to tell you, come to, come to our times together having prepared in joy in the Lord. Come, don't, don't come with the heaviness at times. And I'm not saying that there's, there's no reality of that in our lives. But listen, come with just joy in Jesus. Come just having been filled all week, getting in his word and thinking about all he is in his nature and his character and come with that joy each Sunday as you come about instead of rehearsing maybe all of the problems. And, and I'm not saying I don't want to hear about it, but I'm saying sometimes that's not only the things I want to hear about. Let's talk about those things that are just real. Those things that God has done. You know, the Bible tells us, a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. Proverbs 15, 15, All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. Would we fed? Be merry. He says in Proverbs 17, 22, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. And there's, there's, there's times for sorrow. We know God uses sorrow as well. But you know, God also uses being merry. <laughs> and God uses joy. And in fact, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we ought to share joy really in the hope of God's promises. You know, he said even in that great chapter of abiding in John chapter 15, he said that he says these things that your joy might be filled you know, that great chapter of fellowship with Jesus and abiding in Him, it's producing joy. Later on, as he follows that up in 1 John, uh, 1 John chapter 1, even in the first couple of verses there, verses 1 to 4, he declares all these things of, him, of which he's a witness so that our joy might be fulfilled. So those things that produce joy, it's really, it's really this fellowship that we have 
with Jesus, those things that we see, the promises of his word fulfilled. And I wonder how many of us would go through a list of things in our lives, even if we take the time this summer, just sit down and look at all of the promises God's fulfilled in your life. When was the last time you even contemplated that and thought that? And many times we just sort of look at all of the things that he's not done, that it seems unlikely, that seems negative, and then we go about and we nitpick all of that, and all along the way, God's done so much. And how much I think our countenance will turn if we just started to look at all that God has done. And get around people like that. This is a story of fellowship. This was God revealing his work in them. And we ought to share the joy together in the presence of God in our midst. You know, the Holy Ghost was there. Nehemiah said it to his group there, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Romans 15, 13, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And so as we anticipate getting together, as we anticipate fellowship this Christmas, are we going to produce that kind of joy in our gathering? That can only come if we've already abided in Christ this week. That only can come if we just are in tune with His presence in our lives and in tune with the Holy Ghost that produces peace and joy and hope. That can only come with that. But then lastly, this morning, joy really is formed when our anticipation is matched with faith, that hopes. Because at the end of the day, notice again Luke chapter 1. And notice verses 45 to 47. So the, the, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And notice Elizabeth's response again. Blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. You know what what was evident in Mary's life as Elizabeth felt that leap of joy? Was that Mary believed. You know, many times we read through Scripture and read through the promises, but we don't mix it with faith. We just, it's just an academic exercise. It's just a duty-bound, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. But do we ever consider that there's many things that God's trying to get our attention with, and we can only, we can only see it produced in our lives if we just mix it with joy? This was a term of joy, really. It was as the ladies, they anticipated all those things that were happening, they matched it with faith. Now, the Bible tells us faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things unseen. Listen, if there's a, there's a hope issue in your life, there's a faith issue in your life. Because hopelessness is really equated to faithlessness in the Bible. When we lack faith, then we lack hope. Because there's things that we just can't see anymore. There's things we used to just anticipate with great anticipation, but not anymore. And the absence of hope is evidence of absence of faith. 
And our anticipations can quickly turn to fear when not paired with faith. Hebrews 4.2, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Why is it that sometimes there are those that come away from church and they just come away from times when the word of God is open to them. It doesn't seem like there's any change. It doesn't seem like there's any more hope than they did coming in. And maybe it's because it's not mixed with faith. You've come, you've, you've just come in sight. You've come to see what is going to be said, not what the Word of God is going to say in your life. You've come with the anticipation of other things and you've not come with your anticipations mixed with faith. And I wonder for you and I, are God's promises dry words or powerful words of hope? Do you, do you recall, do you remember God's track record in your life? Really, when, when Mary sings this song, she talks about how she's been called blessed, but really she grounds it on verse 45, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and his, to, to his seed forever. You know, what, what she recalled in her life, she also recalled in history. She began to see that actually God had worked and God had done this, all of that in preparation for this time. And that's why the Bible tells us that whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. That through the comfort and, uh, and, and hope, uh, the comfort of the scriptures, we might find hope. And that's why when we go through the Word of God and we start to really apply it in faith and start to read it in faith, it ought to fill us with hope. It ought to change us. It ought to make us more likely to then go another day anticipating that God is going to do something, looking ahead to all that God's going to do rather than of being current and focused on all of the things that He can't, seemingly. It ought to be the people that believe God at His Word is what I'm saying. Because joy ought to be formed when our anticipation is matched with faith that hopes. And, you know, I want to tell you that really the lesson of the first Christmas is that he came. But, you know, there's a promise in the Bible that he's going to come again. And, you know, I think sometimes as, as believers, we focus so much on the first Christmas, the first Advent. We forget that God has a timeline of the second Advent. And that in our time, in this dispensation, that's what we're supposed to be looking to. And I want to, I want to remind you this morning that our hope, as much as we look at and fill it, as we look back at all that God has done, the real hope that we ought to have is what's coming ahead. And that's the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The second advent. You know, all of us here as a church, if you're saved here, the Bible tells us to comfort one another with these words. And, and you know, many times, again, we see the problems of the world. And I know, I've got kids too, I'm concerned. I look at, look at the state of the world. Uh, you look at, around uh, the, sometimes the ineffectiveness of the church, the wickedness of society, the, the, the hard-hardness of God's people, the, the downturn of of evangelistic efforts around the world, the, 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 the struggle of God's people in the West to, uh, to, uh, uh, to, to overcome worldliness and materialism. 
and you look at the, the, the lukewarmness that is around us, and you look at that, and what hope do we have? Here's what I want to tell you. We do have hope. And that's the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at two scriptures. Look at 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, chapter 1, sorry. Notice verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so because of his resurrection, we have a living hope. And that living hope is really all about what's to come to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. And that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be received, revealed in the last time. You know, the life that we have here is not, not it. What's it is up there. What's it is, is the things that we are, 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 put, are, are investing ahead for eternity. And what's, what's, what's to come is it's an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved, reserved, reserved in heaven for you. And so many times our expectations and our hopes, they don't go further than what we have here. They don't go further than the things that we have that we can hold in our hands, the things that we just have right here. And yet the Bible's telling us to look ahead. We have a lively hope. But I want to tell you that we have a soon hope. Look at First Thessalonians. Because as amazing as the first advent was, it's really for us all about the second advent. It's the second coming. And before that, there's going to be a great calling away. And I want to tell you that as a believer, as, as, as one that is part of the church, as one who's put his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have hope. We have hope in the, the rapture of the church. And in verse 13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even others as others which have no hope. Listen, we have no, uh, we have no question why the, those who are without Christ have no hope, because even... Even, the, 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 even death as it is, it's a finality for them. There's no hope further. But we understand that because of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's, he's had victory over death. He's got victory over the grave. And we can one day just look to that great hope of his coming. The first 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Notice this. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Listen, what a day that will be. What a day. I'm telling you, this world, it's not going to get any better. Hey, let's get busy for Christ. Let's, let's, let's make sure that our hearts are right, that we're watching, anticipating that great hope 
of the great rapture of the church. Because really, one day there's going to be a loud shout. And we're going to hear a loud trumpet. And if you're saved, you're no longer going to be here anyway. You know, many times we make much of this world. We make much and we anticipate things that are so temporal. But we have eternity. Hey, listen, if you're saved, you have, you have a place in heaven for you. But if not, if we which are alive and remain, you know what we have? We have a great hope in the rapture in the calling away. And you know, the, uh, in, in heaven, our sorrows will be no more. Hey, that peace that we have, all of those problems that we fuss over and we lose sleepless nights to, all just fade away. And it'll just be gone. And in an instant, in a twinkling of an eye, there's going to be a calling away. And then that, that calendar of the second advent, that'll come. That's going to be the thing, that that's going to be the catalyst. But listen, we're still here. And so even as we can found our joy maybe on other things, maybe as we sometimes, because we are temporal people, we look at sight and we look at all of those things and sometimes our joy can just become dissipated by the unmet expectations, we ought to have a greater anticipation, the great, the great calling out of the church. We, we ought to anticipate, and, and because of that, the urgency. Listen, there are those outside of these walls. Listen, if we ought not to be a church that's so self-centered that all we think about is us. All we think about is, is how we feel on a Sunday morning. All about, all about those things that we seem to be bothered by when there's those outside who's just, just a, a step away to an eternity without Christ. Listen, you ought, to, you ought to just get back to that time, maybe just remember. Remember how that felt being lost. Remember how it felt to just be purposeless and fearing death. Some of us have been too far gone from that. You've just focused on the wrong things. You've become just like the world. All you can think about is what you're going to get for Christmas, and that's how, how, as far as your anticipation gets. And that's how far your joy gets. Listen, wake up, Christian, this morning. We, we've got a coming Lord. We've got a King that's coming, and we better live for Him. You know, if, if, if we would just live with the right anticipations in our lives, then what we're going to find is we're going to find the right joys in our lives too. And I don't know what's robbing you of your joy today. Maybe there's troubles brewing what you see coming ahead. Maybe your, stomp, uh, your, your tummy is in knots because there are some unknowns. and No, those are real. But we need to find joy in anticipation of God's promises being fulfilled. Hey, God, God came the first time. He's going to come again. And we better, we better live righteously. We better live with a soberness. We better live with a great urgency. 
We, we better live with the right anticipations so then the right joys can be produced in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again. Lord, just for the time we've had in your word. And Lord, I know, dear God, that it's so easy to be swept away. Lord, with the realities of life, those things that can concern us. And Lord, they can so easily rob us, Lord, of Lord, the joy that we ought to have in you. I pray, dear God, that even with those situations in our lives, that Lord, in anticipation of your your power in anticipation of the fact that, Lord, you're able to, Lord, do the impossible, that we come with great peace, with great joy in you, Lord, surrendering those things. Lord, as unlikely as we think it to be, as un, uh, unseen the, the, the situation, the, the solution to our situations can be, may we trust you in that you, you're able and then, Lord, may we just learn to anticipate the right things. Lord, may we look to your soon return. May we, Lord, just love your appearing as you challenge us in your word. And may our anticipation of that, Lord, then produce the right kinds of joys in our lives. Lord, that's not temporal but eternal, that, that, that are based on founded things in your word. I pray that you'd help us this morning. The piano is going to begin to play. We're going to have our time of invitation now. If you're a guest of our church, this is really just a time where we reflect on what we've been challenged with in the Word. And we take the time to just come to an old-fashioned altar to, to come to the Lord, to give Him our, our, our surrender, to surrender our, the situations that we face, to surrender our sorrows, to surrender our very lives, and then to give them over to find the peace and joy that we ought to have in him. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that, that you've been part of the church for a long time or you just, I'm asking if you're saved. Have, has there been a time where you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Not trust in your works, not trust in your church membership, not trust in your church attendance, but trust in in the saving work of Jesus on the cross, how he was buried and he rose again. If you're here this morning and you've never done that, just between you and me, just with an up, uplifted hand, just say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. Is there anyone here this morning? Maybe there's someone on the live stream. If you're online, I want to say, reach out to us. Even on our website there, you can click a link about eternity. And we'd love to get to know you. We'd love to show you from the Word of God how you can be saved. Is there anyone here just that would say, Pastor, pray for me. The Lord spoke to me. There's some things that have robbed me of my joy, and I'd like to get that back. Anyone here, just say, Pastor, pray for me this week. I want to have the right anticipations. I want to start to again look to. Anyone here, I see those hands. Anyone else? see those hands. Got many hands this morning. So all stand to our feet. No one looking around. I want to ask you if you raise your hand or not. The Lord spoke to your heart this morning. Why don't you use the altar? Why don't you just say, Lord, I want to live for you. I want to live with the right anticipations. I want to live with your promises in mind. And let's do business with the Lord this morning.